1: Recorded live. you actually go to the message? All right. mm-hmm. There'll be some prompts.
2: All right. We're getting started. We'll have uh, Levi and Richard Cornforth, and
1: uh, tell me if it asks you to press anything. Well, wait, it it, ought, it should ought to do that. yeah if it's if it's uh yeah if it's got a bar through it, yeah, and you can turn the speakerphone off if you want to Can you hear me? yes, I can, okay, all right, I guess we're ready. Okay. Yep, I'm here. Hello, hey Richard Yes
2: We have Levi and myself on the line
3: Alright And
2: I, I, I went through this talk shoe method Because uh, my recording option On my phone Is Just really flaky It, it seems like When I really need it, it the, the recording doesn't show up
3: But like, sounds all like, it, the normal sounds like an honest Sounds like an honest judge
2: Yeah. I really Uh, need one.
3: Yeah, what you have is uh, uh, two options followed by a third option. Mm -hmm. The uh, first two options, of course, to appeal based on deprivation of an impartial trier of fact.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. And it's just that simple. And the second option is to file a civil rights lawsuit. On the same b- basis.
2: Yeah, I, I think I was feeling towards civil rights, and I think Levi had some some questions about being able to actually identify standing in a um, in a in a 42.
3: Um, mm-hmm. You have standing in a 42 if people have deprived you of a constitutionally secured right under color of law, and that's exactly what's happened. In right. other words, in other words, there has to be people that have color of state law. That means they either need to be employees of the state or a political subunit of the state, or they need to be acting in conspiracy with an employee of the state or a political subunit of the state.
1: Okay, Cause
2: they, they definitely have the color of being government officials. I mean, right. Yeah, because I look at them, and you know, I could ask any Joe Blow on the – says, yeah, no, they're part of the government. Um, now, now,
3: wait a minute. Now, hold on right there. How are you defining okay. color of law?
2: Um, I don't know if I meant to say color of law. Um, okay,
3: okay. Hold with this definition of color of law. Color of law is the appearance of subject matter jurisdiction where an important element of subject matter jurisdiction is missing. Okay. That's color of law. Now, either at the same time that you filed a civil rights lawsuit or, alternately, you can also file a racketeering suit. Do you pay taxes? Do you pay taxes?
2: I pay sales
3: taxes. Okay, that's good good enough. mm -hmm. That's good enough to make you a taxpayer, two words. Mm -hmm. And all taxpayers are entitled to uh, honest services from government.
2: Intrinsic right to honest services.
3: Intrinsic right to honest services of otherwise known as that form of mail fraud found at 18 U.S.C. 1346. And where they have acted under mere color of law and they have expended taxpayer finances resources against one of the state's taxpayers' two words, you have been deprived of honest services and if there are two acts or more, it is considered a pattern. Most federal judges want to look for three separate acts. Mm-hmm. That gets them one over the one over the hurdle of two being a pattern.
2: Okay. So now, would the would the three separate acts, uh, three separate citations Tracy got at the same time.
3: You betcha. Uh,
2: so. That yeah, that's what I thought. So, no no no. Because it wasn't once in one citation. It was three separate citations at the exact same fifteen minute increment.
3: Uh, did each of them have a separate number?
2: Yes. Three go, And
3: then the circuit
2: court the circuit court said, Well, and you're gonna to have to file this is what we talked about earlier, the circuit court said you're gonna to have to file three different appeals.
1: <laughs> and uh, Bingo So,
2: so I can see that coming around and now... No, 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 only get two citations because the federal... Yeah, one and,
3: three. Yeah, and uh, the closer those citations are going to be together, the more solid is going to be the argument as part of a pattern. They
2: printed them at the exact same time.
3: It looks like they used a machine gun. Yes. And I would use that... I would use that language. I would use, in my brief, I would say they used... A machine gun like approach to illicit enforcement of law that only lacked a couple more incidences or occurrences to reach a level of a shotgun approach to illicit enforcement of law. Let them agonize and, over that one for a while
2: and it was a it was a quote unquote authorized traffic stop, and cars were lined up as they were doing this.
3: Um, actually, in uh, in your discovery, the Supreme Court of the United States has repeatedly ruled that your, your rights can be limited if there is an issue of public safety to which there is no more less in intrusive means of seeking enforcement which means that to do that they had to rely on a traffic and engineering study that showed that there was a reoccurring issue of public safety and in chances that particular are, spot excuse me
2: in that yes, particular in, spot
3: in that particular spot and the odds are they don't have it and the odds are they've never even been confronted with that question
1: Okay. All right.
2: So um, in a letter that we're attempting to put in today um, as a, you know, a letter for time, and I think Levi was looking up that paying under protest may actually not be something we want to do uh, because of – and Levi, I'm going to have to have you fill in the blanks on paying under protest on this one. And And go ahead. I'll shut up. Uh,
0: Sorry, go go ahead. ahead. Uh, Well, uh, one of the courts uh, said that it didn't matter whether it was paid under protest or not, that what what happens is that an administrative determination can have a judicial review. But if the Determination is also part of an enforcement where the court makes a ruling on it. It's a res judicata, both as to the uh, fine and to the determination.
3: Well, now hold on there. Uh, Your key word is objection. See, because objection is how you convert all administrative reviews to a judicial de novo review. I don't know of any other bridge, and that's why payment under protest may not work. But if you uh, research your local case law and uh, consider, consider it as an objection, And I would even, if you go there, I would even title it timely objection because it's kind of the consistent rule in administrative proceedings that the proceedings uh, themselves prescribe a code, usually something in a range of 5 to 10 days when you can object. But in federal code, you have to be noticed of your right to object. So it's probably worth your time to do a little bit of research, and I would concur that it might not be in your best interest to pander protest, but it might be in your best interest to object, particularly if you can find a rule and some case law. And again, it's not probably universal, but it is probably... Correlative to a high degree that when you object to any kind of an administrative proceeding, that is how you get judicial review, de novo, before you're deprived of money or property or liberty. Okay. Right, and I think
2: that's what. Yes, and I think that's what we were trying to find out. And and was this trial, was it administrative? Or was it judicial?
3: No, no, whoa, whoa. Okay. It depends on what type of judge you were in front. Were you entitled, were you before a district or circuit judge of your respective state? No, no. Then it was administrative. Remember, all magistrate courts are inherently. Administrative and cannot go to a judicial even by consent of the parties. So, subjected to an administrative court, you must object timely to get a judicial court to review the matter de novo before the uh, results can be adopted and become raised due to cod. And see, that's where a lot of people get uh, caught asleep with the switch and the, uh, against the IRNs. They neglect to realize that they're in an administrative proceeding before administrative law judges. And it doesn't matter if they're wearing a black robe and they call themselves judge and other people bound straight before them as a so-called judge. They're administrative judges. And when they make a presumed judicial decision that they lack authority to do, your recourse is to object. And the objection is your bridge to judicial review before an actual judge. And how that correlates to the tax court, for example, the tax court is an administrative court. It lacks authority to make judicial determinations, including arbitration of facts. So if you get caught in a tax court proceeding and the tax court judge uh, actually makes a judicial ruling by saying, I think that they're telling the truth and I think you're telling a lie, you have an appeal to the federal circuit. And the appeal to the federal circuit is uh, how you get judicial review of that and then the judicial review can look at that and say it was a correct ruling or they can say it's an incorrect ruling. But but okay. until the until your time to object or until it has been judicially reviewed it's not raised judicata. And see a lot of people get caught up in that and uh the tax court as best I remember has actually ninety days to appeal it and get judicial review. Uh most of the time it doesn't do any good, but that's how the system works. Yep. So now, once you're in you're you're in a a junior league variety of the same thing.
0: Okay, uh now Richard this brings up a point. They're under the <clears throat> Justice of Boston Court versus Leiden, where they say, say that the uh the <clears throat> two-step process or you get a trial de novo, the first hearing in justice's court is amounts to a settlement offer, and then you can get a trial de novo. And it says in that decision you have an absolute right to a trial de novo. Now, the right. question is... So again? Yes. Okay. Now, the question is, how can they turn around and tell us you've got to pay a $1,000 cost bond to have a trial to know if you have an absolute right?
3: Uh, that's a CAN law.
0: What What's that term?
3: CAN law, C-A-N. They do it because they can. Oh, I see. has nothing to do with any statute, code, or anything else. It's called bullying and extortion. And until okay, they get slapped until they get slapped with enough racketeering suits, they won't stop it.
0: Okay, is that how that's challenged for
3: the Rico? Uh that is one route to challenging it because you are a taxpayer. If you buy so much as a package of Wrigley's gum, you're a taxpayer. Mm-hmm. And because you're a taxpayer, you have standing to bring suits on behalf of yourself and all people similarly situated who have been subjected to an impermissible revenue scheme perfected by a violation of the intangible right to honest services. And I can't remember whether it's intangible or tangible, but I think you'll figure it out if you don't know.
0: Okay. Now, another question I was trying to dig out today on these people, the uh, on this administrative determination. <clears throat> when it comes to this RICO, now, and they're going to engage in a administrative
1: uh, procedure, the you know for
0: enforcement or collection. I can't get these people to tell me. Nobody seems to know that they're uh, <clears throat> how they go about making this determination. Is it a regulation statute or or an administrative procedure? How this determination is made? Is that required before they initiate a suit? In no, other
3: words, it's, it's, it's the can laws. Okay.
0: Okay, because I, you know, I know under the uh, 15 U.S.C. 1673, there had to be an administrative hearing before they did a garnishment.
3: Absolutely, there did, and the violation of that is, in the light most favorable to them, a violation of consumer law, and you're entitled to bring suit under um, uh, under that statute. And depending on whether or not it's part of a pattern, it can also be a racketeering suit. Now,
0: this this 15 U.S.C. specifically talks about its uh, interstate commerce
3: connection. Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Do you realize how interstate commerce has been redefined? Uh,
0: No, I don't.
3: Expending of resources in one locale that could have been expended in a different locale. That's it. So in, so in other words, practically anything is an in interstate commerce for the standpoint of RICO. If you're in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and you walk into a store in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and buy a Hershey bar that was made in Pennsylvania with chocolate that was grown in South America, that's interstate commerce. So, it's, so it, our it's intent... Bizarre. Right.
2: So so our intent so we had to show up in Pontoc for this um you know, where Tracy said, I don't understand what's going on and I don't plead and they continued anyway with this charade, charade.
3: Yeah, yeah, stop. We could have bought stop. we could have stop. bought gas stop. somewhere stop. else. Up are okay. stop. Stop. Read the last paragraph of 15 U.S.C. 1673,
1: it controls.
0: You hear? Yes, yes, go ahead. It controls.
3: Yeah, Yeah. the last, see, 15 U.S.C. 3, 15 U.S.C. 73 is all administrative in nature. What takes it into judicial proceedings is the last sentence of the whole thing where it says in effect that no state or any other forum can supersede the control of the foregoing statute period
0: yeah no state no state officer nobody yeah now is that just for garnishment of wages uh
3: that yeah actually that is for garnishment of wages or the income of a self employed person
1: okay so fifteen u s c sixteen seventy three
2: for this traffic case doesn't apply, but in the discussion of fifteen u s c sixteen you know, fifteen u s c sixteen seventy three we we had just we were just discussing it
3: um, right yeah uh okay. fifteen okay. u s c sixteen seventy three applies to taking your wages or your income as a self employed person. Okay.
2: All right. Because I was just trying to figure out how that how that connected directly to uh Tracy's uh, current issue in Pontotoc.
3: Uh it uh it doesn't that I can conceive of, but it certainly okay. applies uh to anything else. And the case that you just alluded to was the uh a friend of yours that showed up in court and tried to invoke that authority and the judge pooped in her face, figuratively speaking.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she, Tracy, uh,
0: uh, said, I don't
2: understand and didn't plead. And the the judge says, well, I have the authority to plead you not guilty because the state gives me that authority.
3: (laughs) Well... The point of it is the state does, cannot supersede that last sentence of the article, of the, of the uh, statute, rather. So he is in contempt, he's literally in contempt of his own court. And he's definitely engaging in theft of the intangible or tangible, whatever it may be, on his services. She's a taxpayer. I bet mm-hmm. she's put gas in her car at least twice in the past month. That makes her a taxpayer.
2: She's yeah. she's been staying in Mississippi for a uh, uh, for about a week, and uh, even though
3: she lives here
2: with me in what's called Tennessee,
3: right. So, oh yeah, we
2: we pay sales tax, no doubt about it.
3: Right.
0: Okay. Now, as far as Tracy's going to take a uh, go back to court Tuesday. So we need to come up with an objection to this administrative proceeding.
3: Right. Find it in, um, if you've got versus law, use versus law. If you have some other resource, use that. Uh, If you don't have access to either of those resources, try to get to a law library and have the law librarian assist you in what you're looking for. The law librarian will probably know more than the judge does. And if all else fails, just put in an objection.
2: Okay. Now we do and, have versus law, and and Levi, I don't think, I don't think Tracy ought to show up, in talk at all. I think it ought to be in writing, and she needs to stay away from that
3: courtroom. Um,
2: I'm, not, that I'm
3: not. Yeah, I'm not going to advise you on that one because you're dealing with the can laws, and they love to find people in contempt and issue warrants for their arrest and go get them. So. I'm not going well,
2: to they even, didn't. Yeah, they, well, they didn't say to show up. He said, you know, make payment arrangements or pay this by this date.
3: Right. He says, yeah, you know, at any I, time yeah, still, before
2: this date, you can.
3: Still, but, still I'm not going. I'm not going to go there. Okay. Uh, that is that is one of the major controversies all over this country, is the debtors' prison rackets. Yeah. It is major. And they'll do it in the blink of an eye. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I he know, was really and hostile.
2: He yeah, was really, he really hostile and, and made sure that there were armed
3: state troopers
2: all around that room with only right. Tracy and I and our, our our two-month-old at the time in the room.
3: But I've, been, so, I've been there and worse. I've been there and worse. So, they locked the doors. I've had I've had them point a gun at my head and treat, threaten to blow my head off. That's how much they hate people that know the law.
2: Yeah, and well, their only other option is to realize that they're the ones that are actually evil. Either you're evil or they are, and, uh, and them being evil.
3: Problem. Problem. You're, the problem you're having is comprehending the mind of a sociopath. So, social pass. No, they're evil. They don't care. Right.
0: Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Richard, I want to segue over here to uh, this possible man famous with uh, right. Jason. Right. Uh, we we put in our uh, motion to dismiss for lack like of jurisdiction, and we pointed out, right. you know, the fiasco that went on in the. Municipal court. Now we didn't bring up the lack of economic diversity. We didn't know that at the time, but the right. Of course, you know you saw the right up. There was no no uh, reference to facts, laws, authority, uh, analysis. Nothing in that decision. He just said we had a litany of arguments, and it, you know he wasn't going to dismiss. And we brought up Colby, Arkansas. You know, right. he didn't have a charge, couldn't plead. And, you know. And uh then Justice of uh, Boston versus Leiden. They had they had to put their best case on then and you know they had to provide due process and so on. And also there's a Fifth Circuit case where affidavits are not uh sufficient for a criminal prosecution. There has to be a, a law and uh you know, we pointed all that out. And this guy right. didn't respond to any of it. And I'm wondering, is a, is a man famous, would that be a uh, one of the strategies, or should we, would that be the best? Check your,
3: yeah, check your state law. See, what they've done with the great writs, uh, following the lead by Congress of uh, uh, suspending the writ of habeas corpus in 1996, what they've done with the great writs, they being the legal industry, is they've converted them to discretionary review. Hmm. So you walked into the Supreme Court with a uh, petition for a writ of mandamus and they will convert it to a writ of uh, to discretionary review and then they will look at it and poo-poo it. I'm not saying don't do it because I think I think you guys are eventually going to wind up with a whole cluster of racketeering suits. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, probably a good time to get uh, to get in touch with a state representative from state legislature and start talking, start a see if you can start a dialogue with what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right in Oklahoma, the uh, state legislature is it's like one of those maps they show you on election night where they have red and blue, and it spreads across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Oklahoma legislature uh started out as being one of the last bastions of the Ku Klux Klan, uh solid Democrat lawyers, and in the course of about a decade became Republican businessmen. Mm-hmm. But uh too many of the Republican businessmen were just as big a crooks as the Ku Klux Klan was. Mm-hmm. And now what we're seeing in Oklahoma is a slow recovery of the ideal that you don't go to the statehouse to become a career politician and retire rich. You go there for your 12 years if you can make it that far to make a difference. So it's slowly, it's kind of a wave thing that goes back and forth. And I hearken to uh, Trump as being... He's he's the real flag bearer right now. <laughs> uh, and people say, Well, he's nuts. Well, yeah, he is nuts. Well, he's a demagogue. Well, of course he's a demagogue. What do you what do what do you want? More of the status quo, you want somebody that might stir things up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, disclosure is one of his big uh uh rallying uh
3: well, you know, see, the thing about a, a Trump is the same thing about a Ross Perot. It makes Congress run the country, which is what they're supposed to do, mm-hmm. to keep the president from running the country, mm-hmm. which he's not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And see, we've just come out of 16 years of the president running the country. Right. And before that, Congress ran the country. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah when, you know, all of us are sitting around, you know, give us the king like all the other nations, and we're all focused on the president doing everything, because just we don't know any better,
3: you know? Well, yeah, and see, we, we, we've we gone to school on it, we had our eyes open, because uh, Reagan was the king, and things went completely haywire, and people thought, well, he's a nice man. Well, I don't care if he's a nice man or not, he, he sowed the farm. And then you come along and you have uh, Bush for uh, a few years, and under Bush, uh, Congress started to take things back over, and then we elected uh, Clinton, and Clinton was never in control. Congress was in control. That's why we had some of our best years. And then it goes back to Bush, and all of a sudden, Bush, followed by Obama, is the the king of the nation, sends Thousands of uh, young people off someplace to be killed for his own vanity. And yeah. anyway, that's my political yeah.
0: today. So yeah. we we need we
3: need we need somebody up there that gets up every morning, trying to cause trouble, and, and make Congress govern. Well, we're trying to spread some hatred and discontent down here
0: because uh, we're um, tired of it. stepped on. All right, right. so.
2: So, with everything that um, you've heard from us, Richard, um, and I don't want to pin you down on anything, and, and, and I know how you just mentioned you were uncomfortable with going into a particular piece of it, uh, we're looking for a strategy, um, and um, we were thinking about, if at all possible, they're closed tomorrow, but getting in before they close today, a letter um, that objects um and uh, um, you know, basically, like a debt collection letter, like you have, on you know, I will pay any obligation I lawfully owe.
3: Um, right. Well, yeah. Well, you yeah, uh, know, whatever whatever you do, get the objection in today, and you can amend it Monday or Tuesday if you want to.
2: Okay. And to get it and in,
3: in the, uh, get it in there as a placeholder, even if you don't have any authority for it.
2: Okay. And, Mike, my, my, I'm thinking at this point, the long term is that we've got to get this in federal and, like you said, either a 42 or a RICO or both. Right. You know, um, What do you have any sense that if we do both a RICO and a 42 at the same time that the the, the federal judges will try to shut one down or...
3: Uh, the the only thing you can do is run that thing up the flagpole and know that they know that they're being watched like never before.
1: Okay.
2: Is the, in your materials? I, I should have all your materials. Um, I think I have one disc or whatever that needs to be fixed, but uh, I have all the books. Uh, which books do you recommend for uh, a little bit of additional guidance in reading the form and the uh,
3: yeah, secrets uh, of the legal industry. Secrets of the legal read, industry. Read, read the so I, whole book, and then read uh, the section on racketeering twice. All right. All right. Now and,
2: back to uh, now. The secrets of the legal industry. Thing. There, that is that like four books total in that in that. No, period?
3: no. Secrets of the legal industry is one book.
1: Okay.
3: And yeah. it's titled "Secrets of the Legal Industry."
1: Okay, all right. Yeah, because
2: I, I think I keep getting confused because I see the IQs and it's the fourth installment. And the, right. Sorry, I keep thinking that there's, like, multiple books.
3: Well, see, there's multiple books in the Secrets of the Legal Industry series, but there's only one book that's actually Secrets of the Legal Industry, the first book.
2: I'm grabbing it right now. Go ahead, Levi. Uh,
0: back to uh, Jason's trial is coming up. <clears throat> The uh, the Mississippi Code talks about this tax. They have a title, taxation and finance, and this Commissioner of Revenue is solely responsible for the uh, administration administration and enforcement of the uh, Mississippi tax laws. Now, under the definitions, the general definitions, they list business statewide. Uh, license and a statewide tax and the uh, the statewide license is issued to engage in the business designated and the statewide tax is the tax paid for the license and I called the Department of Revenue and spoke to one of their directors of course somebody's got a head like that fence post out there, you know, just solid wood. And uh, <clears throat> so my, and then under this taxation and finance, they have the motor vehicle licensing and, and right. uh, registration. But so anyway, all this thing is,
3: it's, 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 but, what they're telling you is essentially commercial law.
0: Yeah. And so we're going to get that Commissioner of Revenue in there. My My the point is, and I'm going. This is an 1805 book, which is kind of what I'm thinking is what we're doing here. If an action be brought on a penal statute, uh, and the plaintiff proves him guilty, and that he has proved him within the law, then the defendant, if he's going to exempt himself from the charge, should not deny the declaration, but show the law which discharges him. And so, you know, they stop you and they say, well, let's see your tax receipt. You say, I don't have it. And I say, okay, well, you know, we're going to write you this citation, you know, failure to show license, tax receipt on demand. And they go and under-prosecute on that. Now, they never well, get to... Go ahead.
3: Well, 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 wait a minute. I think I can probably save you some time in, in anxiety. Okay. Uh, whatever you do, That actually generates revenue Mm -hmm. you put that in an affidavit form and you send it to the commissioner of tax or whatever they're called and you copy it to your state representative and you pose the question what is the statute enacted by the Tennessee Mississippi legislature whatever that makes me subject to and liable for or in the alternative required to have a license to engage in this business? What is the statute enacted by the legislature that makes me subject to and liable for a tax due and owing the Treasury of Mississippi or engaging in this activity, or that requires that I have a license with the state to engage in this activity.
1: Okay. All right.
3: And you punctuate that by saying that uh, X amount of days, and I would make it less than 15, nor more than 30. right your silence will be deemed a confession that there is no statutory require for compliance with the payment of taxes on revenue derived from X activity or there's no license required to engage in X activity. Okay. Okay, With that
0: I think uh six, seven weeks. So that'd be plenty of time.
3: Yeah. And okay. and I I would get that information out to as many people as you think might might under some conscience actually uh reproduce it. Unfortunately you can't rely too much on television, radio, or newspapers. Okay. They are tax preference items and they don't want to run their own little tax preference by telling the truth. Sure.
1: Yeah, let's... So would that strategy work well for
2: uh for us as well? I mean we're we're under the gun um as uh the administrative hearings are already over, um but we would pretty much say the exact same thing. Is that it it
3: can, uh, it, it can, and it can, and here it is. You cannot. The uh, neither Congress nor the state legislatures can lay and collect a tax on the free exercise and enjoyment of a constitutionally secured right. Period. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so they're going to have to have factual sufficiency to plus they,
3: uh they have, they have the burden of proof that if you're a barber that barbers have to pay tax on being barbers they have to show you the statute
2: and the only thing Tracy is is my wife she is she doesn't have any job or employment yeah, at all. so my source
3: my source of income is uh nothing is dom- is domestic support so, if a person is supported by a spouse, why do they have to pay tax on income that our revenue? We use the word income. We use revenue derived from being domestic. If if my husband gives me a hundred dollars to buy groceries with, why do I have to pay tax on that? And
1: what's the law? What's the law?
3: Enacted what, by no, the legislature. no, no, no. What is the statute? Okay. What is the statute? What is the statute enacted by the state that imposes a tax on revenue received from a spouse?
1: Because yeah, I can't think of any other activity she was doing other than going from one spot to
2: another spot when they over. Or actually when they had her stopped because they were already right.
3: stopped. That's
1: right. crazy. Right. Oh, okay, domestic uh, activity taking care of the girls. Right.
3: I mean she's not running cool. a daycare center. No, no, it's 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 our daughters. Right. You gotta have a license for that, you gotta pay tax on the revenue. She's not running a daycare center any more than she's running a cafe by preparing meals. Right. Okay. Hello? Yeah.
2: Yeah, we're here? Yeah. It's just it's just sinking in, that's all. <clears throat> right.
3: Uh is that about is that about got it? Pretty much. Now, Richard,
0: are we for Tracia, we're gonna be prepared to do an appeal. Or it's cheaper to go file a civil rights action. So this, uh,
3: this uh, actually, timely
0: objection should.
3: Yeah, actually, if you have the resources to do so, do both. Okay.
2: So I can file the appeal. I can just skip the bond. What the, the the court said is that if you don't if you if you don't pay for the bond, then the justice court will still move forward, even though you have an appeal if you don't put the bond no, up. No,
3: you you need to do a little research and turn that back on them mm-hmm. because they're the ones that have to post bond if you put it under appeal. See, the, if,
2: you know, if Transfer security ju-
3: to myself. Right. If you, if you uh, let's say that you get a judgment against you for $100,000 mm-hmm. and you appeal it, <laughs> to prevent them from collecting, you have to post what's called a superseded bond. But even if you don't post a superseded bond, they have to post a bond before they can collect. So that bonding issue goes both ways.
1: Right. Because
2: if I was going to have someone like a warrant for. I guess it was an attachment for something. I've got to cover that in case you know something turns out to no, no. I shouldn't have actually got that. It was it was wrong. Right. Exactly.
3: Exactly. In other words, the court system has to have a way to repair the improper taking of money or property.
0: And that brings up a point on these uh, tickets that this J.P. this down here in Mississippi gave to. Tracy, and one of them he didn't give a fine, but he gave an assessment, and he gave assessments on the others. So, is that strictly a administrative hearing that they make assessments?
3: Boy, I don't, I don't know. I've never heard of that, but it suggests. Right, I I'll, I'll send it to you.
2: It, it, you know, but anyway.
3: Yeah, it suggests that it does come under. Uh, the administrative proceedings of your taxing authority, and again, that takes you back into a loop of what's, you know, what's what's the statute enacted by the legislature that makes me subject to and liable to pay this tax? Mm-hmm. What what activities does it apply to? Mm-hmm. Now, there is, there is kind of a sleeper, uh, but very few people really understand it, and that they... Uh, that driving on a highway or public road that is maintained at the taxpayer's expense is a quasi-contract. Right. And if you accept the benefits of driving on a taxpayer-maintained road, then you have a duty to adhere to uh, rules, regulations, and provisions relating to its use. Right. But I doubt if there's... uh, very many people, lawyers or judges that understand what I just said, they just do it under the CAN laws. And
0: uh now I, this brings up a question I kind of was wondering had in my mind. To uh set these guys up, would it be possible to make a donation to the Commissioner of Revenue, the Commissioner of Public Safety, and then go down and get a uh, certificate from a driving well, these uh driver education schools, so they can't claim that there's lack of revenue or there's a lack of competency. Now it comes down to what they what are they licensing?
3: Yeah, that's that's one that's one I would definitely have to give some thought to. <laughs> yeah,
1: because we're not a, we're not opposed to. I don't even know if you can hear me. Might um, be muted. I'm
0: thinking that's the only arguments they got, you know, other than business, safety, and revenue.
2: Right. Well, uh, can you hear me? Levi, can yeah. you hear yeah. me? Yeah. Okay, all right. Because um, the, you know, uh, for Tracy and I and, and Levi, this, uh, um, this, it comes down to, you know, our faith, you know, we're at a place right now. We believe that we can't do that. Um but we're not opposed to paying for a service, you know it's like, oh well, you know you, you you know you know if it goes above and beyond paying the sales tax on gasoline, well, you just tell me what it is, and I'll pay it um but you know, I just can't get into a contract with you
1: um,
3: if they're smart enough, they don't need a contract. They can show a quasi- they can they can proceed under the the uh, law of quasi contracts. And how will that apply if it if
0: they're gonna apply it for licensing? I understand quasi contract means if you're gonna accept the benefit without formal agreement yeah. you still owe for the benefit.
3: you can't receive That's the benefit without that's, that's correct, and you come under the regulations re- relating to such a contract, even if you haven't adhered to it, you're considered to have adhered to it by use and benefit. Right,
2: and, and we're not opposed to um, traveling at a safe speed and making sure everyone else is, you know, and, and lights working. Um, you know, the, the safety aspects of everyone that's on the road and how everyone's expected to interact, being doing anything other than what's expected is unsafe and dangerous. We're not opposed to that either. We only have a religious objection to actually getting the graven image um, and the uh, um, and signing a contract. Um, that's it. I mean, it's you know that's that's the only the only difficulty. You know, so we're not opposed to. You know, forty five right here might be an excellent good idea and I'm not smart enough to know that it ought to be forty five or thirty five or fifty five.
3: Um, well no, no, so, no, you don't no, you don't want to make that statement. The correct okay. statement if you want to make such a statement is that you're not in receipt of a traffic and engineering study. Aha. Not, you never you never want to admit to uh, ignorance or even stupidity, God forbid. You want to say I'm not in receipt of the information.
2: Which I'm not. I'm not in receipt
3: of the information. Unless you're in receipt of the information, then you do not know the basis for it. Right.
2: Okay. Thank you. That is a good piece to put in my
3: head. And And I've had about three people trying to ping in, and I know I need to at least communicate with one of them.
1: Okay. Um, okay, all
3: right. Thank you, Thank
1: you Richard. All right, carry on. All right. Okay. Hi. Now. If you own a vehicle with less than two hundred thousand miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up.